Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalkf.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Make sure you start your day the right way with a trip to Strange Brew Coffee House. Grab yourself that little added boost, not only from the drink and the caffeine, but from the service with the smile you're sure to get every time you're at Strange Brew Coffee House. And hey, do a little pick me up in the evening or on the weekend, Strange Brew and Churn and Spoon. Those are the places you want to head over to. Grab yourself a victory Sunday this weekend as the Bulldogs take down the Vanderbilt Commodores. Our friends at College Corner, they cannot stop reminding you guys the holidays are going to be here any second now. When that time comes, you're going to want to have your gifts already taken care of. And for the Bulldog in your life, you need College Corner. They have the largest selection of maroon and white merchandise in central Mississippi. So give them a call today or give them a look online or head over to one of their two locations and you can get your Christmas shopping taken care of. Anything you need that's maroon and white for yourself, your house, your car, or your tailgate, they've got it at College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco, Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. It's the place to go for more than just tacos and burritos. Those things are on the menu, no doubt about it, but there's a lot of other great things on that menu, that stuff you've probably never seen before, and even then, those tacos and burritos, they have the twist that you haven't seen before. It's a unique menu. It's got something for everybody. Whatever you're looking for, for Mexican, they've got you taken care of at Humble Taco. <clears throat> Robbie, I got a question or a statement or however you want to put it. And uh, it, it sort of ties into a lot of, a lot of debate on, on your message board today. A lot of debate. I don't want to get into the whole Mullen versus Leach debate because, God, that was just painful to read. But... My question. You read, you read the message board more than I did today. I did. I, I took some. I read an entire eleven-page thread just to see if somebody answered somebody else, and they didn't. Oh, uh, it was it was painful. But my question to you is this: I think State's going to win this game relatively easily. You know, Vegas says they should win it quite easily. All the indications are that that that's going to be the case. So my question is this: What if? What if the game's like it was last year? What if it's close? What if Vanderbilt stays in it? What if the final score is 24 to 20 Mississippi State? What are you taking away from that? Do you just want to watch the world burn, Brian? <laughs> it's not about money. It's about sending a message. Are you trying to be upset? Are you trying to raise your blood pressure? You know, it was really good at the doctor's office the other day. <laughs> I'm the lowest it's been in a while. <laughs> uh, you know, if it is close, I think that there is some worry to uh, go around for Mississippi State fans. But at the same time, I mean, are you going to be totally surprised by that? 
I would be more surprised if we saw a 50-point blowout because we just haven't seen that from a Mike Leach team. Um, A a blowout would would actually kind of surprise me at this point. I'm kind of going in thinking Mississippi State might win this ball game by 14, 17 points, something like that. I'm not expecting them to go in there and put 50 on the board and and do what Georgia did to Vanderbilt. I'm just not. We haven't seen enough of that. We haven't seen that at all from Mississippi State to to be able to predict that. So, you know, if anybody comes out this week and predicts a four-touchdown win or, or even more than that, I think that's just being hopeful more than anything because there's been nothing to suggest that Mississippi State can blow anybody out. But if it is a very, very close ball game, it, you're just going to have the same questions coming up uh, about this team that you've had since Mike Leach's – really since Mike Leach's second game. Um, that, you know, is this offense going to work in this league? If, is this Mike Leach going to be able to work in this league? Those questions are going to continue to grow louder and louder for him. And it, it, it will worry you about the rest of the schedule that we have now put in place and said this is a very winnable back half of the schedule for Mississippi State. If they barely win this ball game, you, you might go back to predicting just beating Vanderbilt and, and uh, Tennessee State. All right. So now I'm taking it the other way. It's not just going to be negative here. What if you do get an easy blowout victory? What if the final score is like 41 to 7? What do we take away from that? I think you have to be happy with that. I don't think we can come out and say we learned nothing from this. I think that's a, that's a step in the right direction. You've gone on the road, and this, this environment is not going to be a scary environment for anybody. Um, it's not going to be anything special, but it is an SEC road game. It is getting out of your comfort zone, and it's going somewhere that is not your home. Um, so if you go into that building, you take it over, and you win that ball game 41-7 to or whatever, um, I, I think, that's a, big, I think that's, that's a big deal. I think that's good for Mississippi State moving forward. They've put Alabama behind them. They came in, took care of business against the team they should take care of business <laughs> against. And uh, won the ball game handily, and you start to feel a lot better about your team, especially going into that Kentucky game. So then, where's the margin of victory? You know, what's what's the dividing line? What's the final score that's you know one that's not you know it's not too close and it's not too much of a blowout? Where where is it there? You would say, all right, well they just won. Um. I think it would it'd probably be somewhere between 10 and 17, 10 and 14. See, well, um, I'll, go like that. I'll, I'll give away my prediction. I'd say in 31-14 Mississippi State. If I tell that, you that's that's, that's about where I was going that's about where I was going to put this game. I thought so, 17 so you, points. You you're, you're leaning towards we're just going to it's just going to be a win that has a saying, well, I don't know much more about this team either way. Yes. That that's my man, my mindset going into this ball game is Mississippi State's not going to play well at times. They might get a big lead early and let Vanderbilt sneak back into it. It might be close for two and a half quarters, three quarters, and State might get a couple of touchdowns late to pull away. But just us talking right now and where, where my mindset is about this team, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I, I don't, I'm not predicting a blowout in this game. I was, I'm, I'm about right there with you. I, I think I would say 31-17, um, you know, 34-17, something like that. Uh, that sounds about right. So we were in agreement then, I guess, that we're not going to learn a lot about Mississippi State. And that, you know, that's something that we've been talking about 
is that, you know, this is where the second half of the season begins, and this is where you really find out what this Mississippi State team is. You don't think that, and I, I guess I don't think either, that that's going to necessarily be the case on Saturday. Um, no, not right now. Just after what I the last Saturday has left a bad taste in my mouth about this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I said after the game, I just I didn't really learn a lot, but the fact that Mississippi State really didn't put up much of a fight in that game is, I wouldn't say concerning, but it's just got it's kind of got me to the point where I I don't feel as as bullish about this back half of the schedule. I'm not coming to this back half of the schedule and saying Mississippi State's going to go five and one or uh, four and two. I think it, I still think that based on what we know from the first half of the schedule, what we've seen at this point, even including the the Alabama game, I feel comfortable that state is state could possibly win any of those. But right now, I just can't come into this ball game and say after last week, state's going to be ticked off. They're going to come out on Saturday and they're going to absolutely just smother Vanderbilt. I, I, I just don't see that right now. And I may be completely wrong, and that's fine, but I don't know if we have enough evidence that suggests that's going to happen. That's an interesting point in that that's sort of what Alabama did, right? They lost the game that they didn't expect to lose. They were playing a weaker opponent. They slaughtered them. Mississippi State loses the game. Obviously, they expected to – well, you know, I wouldn't say they expect to lose, but – you knew it was going to be an uphill struggle and they get absolutely manhandled, but you don't think that they, you know, will they have, is it just a talent thing or is it just, you don't buy into this team mentally that you don't think, and, I, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but you don't think that they, they have the, uh, the power to just go out there and manhandle Vanderbilt the way they were manhandled this past weekend. Well, you're talking about a team in, in Alabama that we have um, 12 years or 13 years of evidence that when they lose a ball game, they're coming back the next week and you're dead. I mean, you, you got no chance. They have not lost a game in the regular season after a loss. They've not lost back-to-back regular season games since 2007, I believe. Um, so since 2008, they have won every single game after a loss. And a lot of them, most of them have not even been close. So with Mississippi State, the evidence that we have with Mike Leach is they haven't blown anybody out in two years. We haven't seen that yet. I, I haven't seen Mike Leach's teams come out and just impose their will on every on anybody. And I don't know if it's a talent thing for Mississippi State is or if it's a mindset thing. Uh, do they need more talent to be able to do that and just overcome some issues? I don't know. But right now, we haven't seen Mississippi State put four full quarters together on both sides of the ball with the exception of maybe the Missouri game last year. Would you say that's the, that's probably the most complete game they played? I mean, because even the LSU game, they were sloppy on offense. I'll be honest the defense with you. didn't shut them down. I think the most complete game State has played this year, or, or under, under uh, Mike Leach. Georgia? Is the Georgia game. is a loss. Yeah, but I think for four quarters – that was their absolute best effort. I agree when you consider that. the roster limitations in that game. And, and that was just a game where they just were not as talented. That that simply came down to Georgia was more talented than Mississippi State. That's all that was. Um, and even then, if State doesn't blitz on third and long right there and they get a pass breakup or something, that might be a completely different game. Completely different game so, yeah. 
so yeah, you're you're probably right. That probably was the best game they played. Uh, and to my point, they lost. That they they played a full four quarters of football on both sides of the ball, and they lost that game. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my point. Is you know, state. I don't think state is. I don't know if it's talented enough. I, I just don't think they're good enough to come out and we haven't seen them come out and just kill somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if we can really predict that. I can't predict it. And like I said, maybe wrong. Vanderbilt's awful, but last year Vanderbilt was awful too, and Mississippi State was taken to the wire by them. Yeah, I think last year's game. I think last year's game and this year's Alabama game are are really, and and, and I don't think that they shouldn't but they really are painting our picture for us in this game. Let me ask you this. It, I don't remember what your prediction was for last week's game. I think mine was something like 38-17 or 41-17. It was, it was 17 points, I think, yeah. just like what I'm predicting for if this State, game. If State had gotten that, gotten your prediction, would you feel totally different about the way that you're looking at this game? I think so, especially if they would have scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. If they would have come out and scored like two touchdowns, kicked a couple of field goals or field, or one field goal, if they, if they would have scored 17 points or something in that game and lost like 34 to 17, I'm feeling really good about Mississippi State in this back half of the schedule. And I I hate to put too much emphasis on that game because I really do, when I look back at that, think that Mississippi State was just looking across the field and saw Alabama and was intimidated. But I just don't have a ton of faith in this team to consistently put it together. We have not seen it. You know, they have the, the Memphis and the LSU game, and then you go to Texas A&M and you, get, you win on the road. And then you get a week off and come back and you can't score a touchdown against Alabama. I just don't know when we're going to see consistency and this team really turn the corner. We thought, we, we, thought, we thought they turned the corner last year when they ended the season, but they still haven't done it. They, you know, they still – when they turn the corner, they go off the road and they hit the, you know, the curb or they, they knock over a tree or something. They, can, they can't just stay in between the lines. Would you say a, a blowout win would be turn, the start of turning the corner? I think you feel a lot better about, about that because this is, this is the, the proverbial corner. It was, has been Alabama. Alabama has been the proverbial corner. That is the midway point of the season. That is the last elite team that you play this season. Uh, you have a chance now to win some games here down the stretch. So are you going to veer off the road or are you going to stay in between the lines and keep it straight the rest of the way and, and hit the gas and, and get up to 100? We'll see if that happens. I think this, this week is a statement week for Mississippi State. You have an opportunity to come out and beat somebody on the road in the SEC, whether it be Vanderbilt or whoever you're, you're playing uh, in front of you, you win an SEC road game on, uh, against anybody by a lot, and you feel pretty good about yourself. So this is State's opportunity to come out and <laughs> impose their will and, and take this ball game and move forward because you have a heck of a three-game stretch coming up right here with Kentucky and Arkansas and Auburn. You have a chance here to – really make some headway, uh, not only with your wins and losses, but with this program under Mike Leach. You have to show the ability to have sustained success, and this is your opportunity this week to start it. All right. We will, uh, we will see what Saturday brings. We'll obviously go more into depth about that game tomorrow. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. We've got a couple of really good interviews for you guys on this one. 
Uh, and that's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Don't forget them. What a huge part of agriculture. You know, people think about agriculture in the state of Mississippi and they think about soybeans and cotton and rice, but beef is a huge part of it. Nearly a half billion dollars a year worth of cattle production uh, from the 15,000 plus beef producers in our state. And what are they producing? Well, it's just it's just the best thing ever. It's steak, it's hamburgers, it's roast, it's tri-tip, it's, it's picanha, it's ribs, it's, it's everything you want. And when you're looking to cook out, beef should always be your first choice. And if you're looking for recipes, you head over to msbeef.org and they've got them there by the plenty. So beef, put it on the grill, put it in the pan, put it in the oven and have a great meal for you and your family every time out. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two brothers smoked meats over in there. They're smoking up some beef over there, I promise you. And uh, a lot more at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. But it's not just barbecue. Don't ever forget. It's, it's smoked southern soul food. That's what Two Brothers is all about. And they have got prime real estate in the cotton district for you to come. Enjoy a meal. Enjoy the people watching. And enjoy yourself every time out. Great people, great food, and a great location. It's all you can possibly want. It's Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Advantage Business Systems is going to take care of your business two different ways. They've got an incredible selection of services and products, everything your business needs from a technological standpoint, copiers, printers, computers, software, uh, mailing systems, whatever it is, they've got it at Advantage Business Systems. And every sale you make, they make over there, they're going to give you the kind of customer service you would expect if you were dealing with your next door neighbor, which is what they are at Advantage Business Systems. They are your neighbor. They're Mississippians just like you. They do business with Mississippi State University. They do business with Octavio Hall County Hospital, and they do business with nearly any kind of business in this state, and it can be your next. Give them a call today. Find out how they can help you. Number 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. All right. We are less than a month away, Robbie, from the start of men's basketball, from maybe the most anticipated season uh, in, in MSU's uh, history under Ben Howland. Maybe even more so than the, uh, the one year he did make the NCAA tournament. Because I think people look at this team, Iverson Molinar and Tolu Smith back, some other young pieces back with Derek Fountain and, uh, and Cam Matthews, and then the addition of these four impact transfers. I think State had a better time in the transfer portal than any other college program in the country uh, this past year. This is an NCAA tournament team, in my opinion. And I think the fans know that. I think for the first time, and you tell me if you disagree, there's some buzz about MSU basketball and that we might be able to see some crowds back at the Humphrey Coliseum uh, this, this winter. Absolutely. I think this is, I think there's a lot of buzz building and, you know, there's been some, there's been some solid men's basketball teams and it's almost like they've been playing tug of war with the women's program since Vic Schaefer and, and that program really kind of took off. And now that the women's team is really tanking at this point, I think people are starting to kind of, you know, come out of the wilderness again and, and want to support this men's team. Uh, and, and there's been some, t- there's been some reasons why, why you don't want to see the men's team in the past, but there's been some pretty good teams that people just wouldn't get behind. And right when you would get behind them, it seems like it would just kind of fall apart every single time. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the year where a couple of years ago, you know, they went or three years ago. I think they went to the NCAA tournament. Right. And, um, you know, people were, were kind of on board, but not really. Mm-hmm. 
I think this is a year where you can really kind of see it early on. People are excited for this team. You can get some, you know, somewhat large non-conference crowds maybe mm-hmm. and then get into conference play if you really start to build some momentum and, and you start seeing some of those huge crowds that you saw in the past. Because I think people are just hungry for success and they, they see the talent that's come in. It's exciting to, to see it accumulate here. Now you just need it to really get put into to place, everything to get put into place and to realize your potential. And that potential is to get to the NCAA tournament. And Ben Howland is not afraid to – to mention that that is their goal. No. He was asked that question last time we talked uh, to him a, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, that's our goal. We're not shying away from it. Well, I, I'll tell you, he was asked in this interview we're about to listen to that very same question. So you can hear that answer and a whole lot more. Let's go now to this interview I had earlier today with Mississippi State men's, men's basketball coach Ben Howland. This is a Thunder and Lightning exclusive here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad joined by Coach Ben Howland, Mississippi State basketball on the uh, – we're not too far out from one of the more uh, highly anticipated seasons of your career here at Mississippi State. But before we get into that, Roy Williams, he's retired. Coach K, he's, he's retiring at the end of this season. Are you, are, you the, are you the biggest dog left in the game at this point? Are you, are you the, are the dean of college basketball? Well, you know what? I'm not even close because those guys are, I think, Coach K is 75. And Roy was, I think, in his 70s, if I'm not mistaken. I'm a young 64-year-old. so Still feeling uh, good. Okay. Well, way behind. <laughs> I don't think any team in the country had a more successful recruiting class last year in terms of the transfer portal than you did. You hit on not only you know key players that you needed from a positional standpoint, but talented players, good players, big time players. Is this going to does this signal sort of a shift? Maybe not just for you, but for all of college basketball. That when it comes to recruiting, is it going to be portal first, high school players second, or do you have to keep that balance based on who you can get your hands on? Yeah, I think it'll still be uh, a combination. I mean, I think you know. It, it's a uh, ever-changing landscape in college athletics. Period. You know, now with the, with the transfer portal, where people can come in as a freshman and transfer and be immediately eligible as a sophomore. Uh, there's a lot more kids that are going to transfer that wouldn't have in the past. They would have stuck with it for at least another year because it used to be you had to sit out of you mm-hmm. uh, and uh, practice and, and go to school at the, the new school you were going to. Now it's just automatic. So that's a, a big change. And because of that, there's more kids in the portal. You know, we're, we're going to lose kids in the portal as we did last year. We lost Davon, for example, and uh, Quentin. Uh, but, you know, that being said, uh, you know, you have to adjust to it. And we were very fortunate in that the kids that we signed out of the portal were kids we had relationships with because we had recruited them in the past. Now it's a little different because we lost a year of recruiting in, in the whole COVID uh, year, you know, where you weren't even allowed to go out on the road and go see kids. So it was it was much different. Uh, and then you have the name, image, and likeness piece that's just being, you know, added to, you know, recruiting both for basketball and for football. That's going to be an all-new thing that's going to affect recruiting. So there's a lot of changes that are occurring right before our eyes. We're in the middle of it. When you bring in, you know, one transfer, two transfers, that's one thing. You got four, and, and you, you expect big contributions from these guys. Is there a chemistry issue worry when you bring in that many new faces and expect them to, to contribute right away? 
No, not in our case. Uh, not at all. I mean, I think that uh, all four of those players, you know, obviously Rocket Watts is still, you know, coming back from a serious surgery that he had back in June. And it actually is uh, 15 weeks now post-surgery. So he's getting closer to getting back out there here probably another three weeks or so. I think he'll be able to start to practice maybe four weeks at the most. If things continue to go on, and actually Tolu, for example, today was uh, six weeks post-surgery, and so he actually got out of the walking boot for the first time, was starting today for the first time to put uh, some weight on that uh, foot that he had, you know, the surgery. And, uh, you know, so that was a big step for him. He was really excited this morning. I was down in the training room with him and Seth, our trainer, kind of seeing what he was doing. So that was good. So there's a lot, you know. Uh, to occur still for both Tolu and for Rocket to get them back to full strength. And when we do, then I'll be excited because then we'll have our, our whole team back. What do those four guys bring to this, this lineup? You know, Brooks, Jeffries, Moore, and Watts. But what's something that each of them can bring to this team? Well, number one, Garrison brings you a, a player that's already a proven commodity at the highest level of college basketball, having played in the ACC at University of North Carolina. Uh, you know, he's a very good rebounder, defender. Uh, you know, he's good scoring around the basket. But what he's doing for us now, too, is becoming uh, more of a space out four when we get, you know, uh, certain lineups in there. Like when he and Tolu or he and uh, J.D. are in, he's the four. And so he'll be based out on the perimeter quite a bit more uh, at that at that juncture. Uh, and he's a good shooter. I mean, he shoots the ball well when he has time and space to shoot the ball from three. And I really, really have a lot of confidence in his ability to shoot the ball. Uh, and then when you talk about uh, the next uh, player, Shaquille Moore, he's one of our best shooters. He's really improved his shot. He's really grown in that fact that he, I think he's improved his shooting. He's cleaned up a few things where he doesn't dip the ball now. He stays into a shot. He's not watching the ball in flight. All things, I think, were things he needed to fix to be the best he could be. And he's shooting a very high clip. DJ Jeffries gives us a very good, experienced player that can pass it and create for others. He's long. He's good, especially help defense. He really understands team defense concepts and is good in rotations. Uh he, he does a good job of uh, pushing the ball and handling it for a guy his size, and he can shoot it. And he's getting better and better, putting more and more time into his shot. And then last is, is Rocket. Rocket, he was able to practice about the first week or 10 days of the summer before finally we had to, you know, because he was having pain. I was like, let's get this checked out. And so, you know, it was early on that he got the surgery. Uh, but, you know, he's a good shooter. Thing I love most about him is his ability to stretch the floor with his ability to shoot. He's a smart player. He's a good passer. And he was a good defender uh, at Michigan State. So all those kids bring something really important. How important was that NIT run to this year's team? Well, I think it was really important. It gave us a lot of experience, especially when you look at guys like Derek Fountain and Cameron Matthews. They both got a lot of experience along, obviously, with Tolu and Iverson. Uh, but that those two in particular, I think, really grew as players at the end of the season with the benefit of playing major minutes in the postseason play. And that helps us going into this year. And it helps, you know, the other players as well. But 
specifically those two and, and, uh, you know, come to mind. One thing you told us before the start of last season, and you were dead on right about this, was that Iverson Molinar had taken one of the biggest jumps you'd ever seen a player take from freshman to sophomore. Uh, tremendous sophomore season. Now he's the first team All-SEC selection. Does he have another leap in him from sophomore to junior? Well, he does, and I think it comes uh, more than anything with just his increased understanding of being a point guard. And that was something we saw all summer long. We've seen it now in practice, creating for others. And, uh, and it's going to be even more helpful when we get our whole team back together. Like, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, Rocket and Tolu both are going through what they're going through, but better now than a month from now. Uh, we're right in the heart of everything. Uh, that being said, I think he's become a really good decision maker uh, compared to last year at this time. I think a better defender, and, uh, you know, that's really important at that position, whether he's guarding the one or the two. Uh, and uh, he's just grown as a player, and he's, I think, more willing to shoot the three versus always looking to drive, which is something we need him to do. We need that three-point shot from Iverson. He's our best percentage three-point shooter, both in the practices and returning, and that's what you know we want to continue to see out of him. And is there a sophomore? You mentioned Fountain and Matthews just a few minutes ago. Fountain had some huge moments for you last season. Cam Matthews might have played his best game of the season in his final game of the season last year in the NIT final. What kind of leap can they make from year one to year two? Well, you know, that's usually your biggest year of improvement between freshman and sophomore year because now you understand what it's about and you know. And so, you know, you've got a much better understanding of what this game's about going into your sophomore year. And then also Andrew Anderson Garcia's made, I think, a really good improvement. Anderson's been good every day in practice. He's always one of our top three rebounders, top two, really. Uh, he's a very, very good rebounder. We stat every practice every day, Brian, and, and he's always in the top two in rebounding. So that's good. And, and he's providing good defense. I think he's improved his shot and just improved his understanding of the game and also his ability to just understand English better. You know, really, he, he uh, you know, spoke English last year, but now he's better at it, having been a year in college academically. I'm glad you brought up Garcia. I had forgotten about him, but he was a guy last year. Every time I saw him on the court, I felt like he was making plays and, and, and giving great effort. I know that's something that you, you know, really appreciate. He plays very hard. That's, yeah. I think, probably his greatest attribute that you just alluded to is – he plays so darn hard. And, and you know, usually I tell our team, the team that plays the hardest collectively as a team is, is always usually a team that's going to win. When you look at this team, the talent, the depth, the experience, I mean, it's going to be – and you look at the schedule, which is sort of set up that if you take care of your business, you know your net ranking will take care of itself and as far as seeding goes. This is a team that, you know, I, I would say, to, to quote you, that's an NC2A tournament team. Is this an NC2A tournament team in your eyes? Yeah, I think when we get healthy, like right now, uh, you know, we're a work in progress because we don't have to hold back. We don't have a rocket there. So, you know, you're saying that once we're healthy, staying healthy, moving forward, I think we have a good chance to compete for one of the uh, NC2A at-large berths. This is the most excitement we've had about Mississippi State basketball in quite some time, I think. Looking forward to seeing some – I think we're going to see some big crowds at the hump. Uh, this year. Looking forward to the start of the season. Coach Ben Hallen, thanks so much for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Brian. All right. Thanks to Coach Hallen for his time. Obviously, uh, very much appreciate that.
Sounds confident to me, Robbie, when I, when I talk to him, you know. And, and honestly, you know, the, the, the transfer portal is very interesting to me because I asked him about chemistry, and he said he didn't think it was going to be an issue. He felt like these guys had meshed uh, pretty well and that once he has this entire team together, you know, once Rocket Watts and Tolu Smith are, are back 100%, he, he, he agrees with what you just said, that this is going to be an NCAA tournament team. They're not going to shy away from that. And, you know, that's, that's going to be the goal this season. I think it goes a little step further than that. I think it should be a team that is, you know, like, if you go back and remember the, uh, the tour- tournament team from a couple of years ago, I know that they were a little up and down at times, but that team was solidly in the top 30 of the net basically the entire season. There was never a time where you were like, they're on the bubble. They were, you know, always in the, like a four, five, six seed range. That's what I expect from this team, too. I expect this team to be – when you look at their non-conference schedule, it's set up that if you win their, the games you're supposed to win and you maybe pull out an upset in that tournament in the Bahamas or, or something like that, you're going to very easily take care of your net ranking, and you should be in the 25 to 40 range the whole year. That's where I expect this team to, to sort of live this season. And I think they I have think the potential the, to go higher, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think the key is when you have um, – Tolu out here early. Rocket Watts is out early as well. With those goes with those guys out, especially in the first month, I, I'm I'm not sure how long it's going to be before Tolu can get in. But I think Rocket Watts is only going to be a couple of weeks further. Uh, while those guys are out, you got to win games. You're going to have to keep the team afloat. And then the first couple of weeks, when those guys get back in, you're going to be figuring out your rotation, what role fits where. When everything gels together, you want to be you want to have your head above water. You, you don't want to have to be trying to make up ground. So non-conference slate, early first part of the SEC slate, you need to be in pretty good position then, and then you can really step on it and uh, and and make a run. So I think it has all the makings of being a really good team this year. You just got to put it all together. And I, I, I one thing I think is really interesting talking to these players. There's so many new faces on this team. You got all these transfers. You got the transfers mixed in with the guys from last year, mixed in with freshmen that came in. It's so interesting that they talk about how much chemistry this group has. They've only been together for, what, three or four months? Right. But they have so much chemistry at this point. I think that's huge. To, yeah. to, already, to already be preaching about how close they are and how they feel connected – I think that is that's absolutely huge. Yeah, I think it's it's a big part because it doesn't feel like everybody's gonna be trying to find their way the first month of the season. They're gonna come in, <clears throat> they're gonna know what their role is, they're gonna know what they have to do. I, I you know, Rocket Watts, I'm not entirely sure, but it seems like Tolu Smith's gonna be back pretty early in the pre in the uh, in the non conference season. So <clears throat> when he and Garrison Brooks are working together, I expect that to be a very very dangerous duo down the court. And then, gosh, Iverson Molinar. Ben Hallen told us before the season, and I mentioned that in the interview, you know, he, he was going to take a big jump, and he did. He took a much bigger jump, I think, than any of us were expecting. Now he's a first-team All-SEC guy. If he gets any better, he's going to be one of the top players in the nation, let alone the conference. So I am very excited for Mississippi State men's basketball. I think they're going to be good this year. But I say all that to say this. If they're not, that's, that should be probably that for the Ben Hallen era at Mississippi State. Yeah, the pressure is the pressure's definitely hot. And and that's you know why he I'm, knows that you know he he's aware of that. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I appreciate the fact that he's come out and he's not shying away from expectations. Mm. He's not going ahead and, and, and giving a precursor here and saying, well, you know, we got some new guys. I'm, I'm leery of these experts. No, he's coming out and saying, we want to make the NCAA tournament. We expect to make the NCAA tournament. And for a guy that's only been to one since he's been here, I think that's a big deal. It's not like this team has gotten accustomed to going to NCAA tournaments since Rick Stansbury left. So uh, I think that's a huge deal. And I don't think you can discount the job that he's done at Mississippi State to this point to take them from the gutter, literally the gutter, to you know being a respectable team in like three years. But people are now ready to consistently get back to the NCAA tournament. He's done an excellent job. Now he's got to get State back over the hump and get him to the NCAA tournament. And I have no reason to believe he won't. He's done it everywhere he's been. And I think he's I think he can do it here consistently. And I think you I think he can be a guy that coaches here for several more years down the road. He's he's a great recruiter. He's a great developer. For some reason, it just hasn't been able to click all together at this point uh, to get this team in, into the NCAA tournament and competing for, you know, sweet 16s. But I think this team has the ability to get in the tournament and win a game or two. I agree. I agree with you 100 percent. Another team that's going to be looking at some postseason play, and I, this is something that you probably never expected to hear on this show. And if you're a Mississippi State fan of, of all the athletic teams, you know this has been a program that has not had a ton of success through the years. But Mississippi State volleyball is hot right now. They are playing the best, literally the best this program has ever played. Uh, they, they've had some great wins over ranked teams. They're sitting at 13 and five. Uh, they're, they're you know beating a lot of SEC teams. They had a great comeback win over Ole Miss uh, just last weekend. And Coach Julie Darty-Dennis has got this program moving in the right direction. So I thought, what the heck? Let's talk a little volleyball here on Thunder and Lightning. For the first time ever, I will promise you that, I got an interview with Coach Julie Darty-Dennis earlier today to talk about the volleyball. You're listening to another Thunder and Lightning exclusive here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad, you know, there are some coaches, you know, I, I talk to quite often. There are some coaches I don't get to talk to enough. But when the coach is doing the kind of job that this lady is doing at Mississippi State, we got to get her on the podcast. Coach Julie Darty Dennis, head coach of Mississippi State Volleyball, one of the hottest teams in the country, one of the biggest surprises in the SEC this year. Coach, you know, my first question is sort of a really big picture question about your program because you think about Mississippi and in Mississippi State football, taught of Mississippi kids on the roster. Basketball is the same way. Baseball, we all know that it's a ton of Mississippi kids. You got two on your roster. This is not really a volleyball state. When I was in high school, there wasn't high school volleyball. I don't know how recent it is, but it feels like a very recent addition. How do you build a program at a place like Mississippi State when it's difficult to find people, you know, just in your own backyard to play the sport? I mean, we're logging a lot of miles, that's for sure, with recruiting. But, no, I mean, I'm, I'm so proud that we have two in-state kids on our roster. Um, and this was the first year, you were correct, that they added volleyball as a high school sport. They this was the first year? The first year. Wow. Yeah, they got rid of slow-pitch softball, and now they have volleyball. So there's a lot of softball coaches coaching volleyball. So we're trying to grow the game and teach the game and do all these things all at once. But – one, it's, it's so exciting that there's so many young girls who want to play volleyball that they're adding in the high schools. It's going to take some time to get to the level that it needs to be at for us to recruit in state. But there's some tremendous athletes in this state, and there's there's really tough competitors. And I love the, the, the tough, blue-collar, gritty kids that are in our state. And 
Um, there's certainly going to be some recruiting that happens in the future now that we've got it in all the high schools. So, I mean, the recruiting, you know, started out and we had to shop and look for transfers and look for people that could be quick fixes when we first got here. But, you know, I think the SEC footprint and the area that we're in is seeing an explosion in, in women playing volleyball as well. So we've been able to recruit a little bit more close to home just because Atlanta is a hotbed, Texas is a hotbed. So a lot of the places um, that maybe basketball is going, we're, we're going there as well. No coach is going to come out in the preseason and say, oh, yeah, I think we're going to be terrible. They're, they're never going to say things like that. It doesn't matter how bad you were the year before. At the same time, a coach is not, usually not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, I think we're going to be great. You know, what was your feeling preseason about this team? Well, I mean, we talked at the end of last year about how, you know, since we've been here, we've moved up one spot in the conference standings every year. And slow, steady progress is what we've been talking about since day one because we want it to be sustainable. And we don't want to be some overnight success that – wins a lot one season and drops back to the bottom of the standings the next year. So um, last year, their goal was we wanted to finish 8th through 11th, and we hit 11. So I thought this year we could try and make that range 7 to 10 um, and make that, you know, the next step for us. And uh, early on, we knew we scheduled pretty hard in the non-conference, and that was something that we hadn't really done before, and we knew that that was going to be a big test. Um, and would probably give us a pretty clear picture of what our team was capable of with the way we scheduled. Um, so going, you know, through non-conference, we were pretty excited about the teams that we were beating, the teams that we were hanging with. So I think um, it was probably at the end of non-conference that we we all kind of realized, like, I think this is a special group that's capable of a lot more than we all expected. When you look at volleyball, one thing I always talk about, you know, I do this when I talk to Coach Ricketts about softball. Is everybody talks about how tough the SEC is in football, and it is. And it's tough in basketball. It's tough in baseball. But a lot of sports like volleyball and softball, the SEC is just – it's ridiculous top to bottom as how, how good it's been. You know, as a conference, and you've been around and you've you played all over the nation here, how tough is this the conference when it comes to the sport of volleyball? This, uh, this league, we could see seven or eight teams make the tournament. I think – 2014, I think we had eight teams make the make the NCAA tournament, and that was the most that we've ever had. And we only have 13 teams in the league. So if we're sending six, seven, eight teams to postseason, that's a big chunk of teams that are, are in that top 35 bubble, you know? And that's what people don't realize. It's this league from top to bottom. There's a lot of parity this year. Everybody's beating up on everybody. And I think it's only going to continue to get better and better as more people in our in our state and all the SEC states are starting to play volleyball. So this is a tough league, but it's it's a fun league, and I think it's always uh, exciting. I mean, you just can't take anybody lightly, and we go into every match just taking it very seriously. You look at your non-conference, and you had three losses there. You start off SEC play down at Florida. You lose the first day. You come back the second day and get the program's first win over Florida. I think it was 53 or 54 straight losses to the Gators prior to that. So historic win. Is that the moment for you where you're just like, all right, you know, we're going we're gonna to be okay. This team is, is, is ahead of schedule. We feel good about where we're going to go the rest of the year. No, that's the moment I said I better buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> that's, that is the moment where I'm like, we dropped a set 25 12 or 11 and we bounced back to win the next one and i just was like this team does not care they they just play with a lot of heart and a lot of guts and they're just going to get after it in every moment they have and um they have some big goals for themselves and they understand that to get there they've got to do some things and take care of business so i just think that this is a group that's like 
we're just here. We're here to play. We're going to have a will to win. We're going to figure it out as we go. It's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes it's ugly volleyball, but we don't really care because it's a point to point however you score it. Last weekend, obviously, the big win over Ole Miss, a comeback win. I believe they had you on the ropes a couple of times with match point, and you were able to fight through that. Um, obviously, beating Ole Miss is a big deal at Mississippi State. It doesn't really matter. It could be tiddlywinks, and State wants to get those, those wins over the Rebels. But what was, what was the atmosphere like for that match? Because I saw some of the highlights. It seems like that crowd was really into it. Uh, and obviously a very exciting match. You have to come back. You know, what do you tell your team there at match point, you know, when it's like one more, one more, you know, mistake and we're out of this? We were really focused on mistakes. I was just trying to keep them playing aggressive and, and I was kept talking about asserting ourselves on them and being who we are, because we were we were making some weird errors in those first two sets, and that's not really what we do. So yeah, they had that place packed. They had soccer before, so everybody rolled in, and it was loud. But we had a good little section of maroon and white fans, and um, we felt we felt their presence. We felt their energy, but we really just felt you know, what was happening on our side of the net, and there was a lot of just composure and belief and trust within the girls. And, um, yeah, they had match point, I think, twice. And, I mean, in, in a couple of our timeouts, we were just talking about let's we're going to spend all afternoon here. Like, let's just – you know, sit and get comfortable because we're going to be here for a while and we got to play a lot of good volleyball. So we were just focused on the here and now. I didn't really care about how bad set one and set two were. We were just trying to take it point by point and be really present. And got an SEC player of the week out of it as well. I sure did. Offensive and, uh, yeah, player of the week, Gabby Wade. And she had a nice little afternoon. That's, that's good stuff. Only the third in program history. This is a historic season. Do you ever – you're just midway through the season. It's, it's impossible to sort of sit back and have any kind of a thing of – of retrospect, but are there moments in this season you're like, this is we're doing some historic things for Mississippi State volleyball here? Oh, of course. I mean, I there's moments where I kind of sit back and smile, and I'm like, you know, I I took this job uh, with a lot of people telling me not to take it because it's not possible to do what we're trying to do here. And um, the the moments that I'm most excited about are when things go right and when we kind of prove people wrong. I think a lot of the players on our roster. Um, they play with a chip on their shoulder and they play with something to prove. And um, I think I coach with a chip on my shoulder because I've got something to prove here as well. I think that I came here to do something different. And it's exciting when we do. Um, we certainly aren't you know, going to celebrate all the little things right now. I'm going to enjoy it and while we're in this season. But I mean, we're just excited about kind of the progress that we're making. And, and, and like you said, like we seem to be a little ahead of schedule, but I mean, we have a ton of volleyball left to play and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves at all. This is a great season you're having, but as, as the program looks, as the foundation looks, do you feel like you've got things on solid ground going forward that these kind of seasons can become the norm at Mississippi state? Yes. Yes. And no, I think this season's going to help our recruiting tremendously. Um, but I don't think that the work stops now. I think it's only going to get harder, right? If this is a season that people want to hang their hat on and we can be proud of, we don't want this to be a one-time thing. So we've got to continue to work just as hard, if not harder. Um, and we're going to have an expectation now that we don't have to be that 11, 12, 13 team in the league. And, you know, if we get voted in that spot next year by, by the coaches poll, my kids, my kids get, they're like, who cares? Who cares? We are always going to have something to prove. People are never going to expect anything from Mississippi state volleyball. But if we start to expect something from ourselves and change that expectation with, with on our own campus, um, and for our fans that have been with us since day one and season one, I think that that's the exciting part is we know 
who we're doing this for and, and what it means to this, this, this town and this program. I don't know if the SEC does this on purpose or not, but do you have a home series on a football game weekend? Um, I don't think it doesn't appear to be. I feel like we try to make that a scheduling parameter, but our scheduling parameters are so bizarre. Yeah. Um, like so this, no, this I weekend you're at home because you're and, and states on the road in Vanderbilt, and yeah. then uh, November the sixth you're in Columbia, and then November thirteenth right. you're in. Uh, well, I guess that, that that's a weekend for uh, for Auburn. So yeah, Auburn is the next kind of home game football volleyball. Oh, oh yeah, Egg Bowl. Yes. So yes. what kind of you know what kind of fan support have you been seeing from Mississippi State? And, and what would you expect to see when, when we finally have, you know, 50, 60,000 people on campus on top of your game? Uh, I, I mean, the fans have made the differences here at the Griffs. They have given us such a great home court advantage. That place has been just completely rocking and rolling. And if you know, the acoustics are not uh, great in there. So it gets super loud. Um, the fans have given us that extra push over the top when we need a little extra energy and like fit sets. Um, I don't know. People have been excited. I think they've been jumping on the bandwagon and I welcome that. I'm like, come on, jump on in. I think it's never too late to join, join the darty party. I mean, we're excited to have some home matches this weekend. We're excited that there's been a lot of talk about how well we're doing and how this season's been going. So, I mean, the more the merrier, we are just excited that people want to watch volleyball and learn about volleyball. And like you said, like it's a new sport. So it's really exciting for a lot of our fans right now. I think we'll wrap up with this. I think people would sort of describe your team at this point. They've been a fun story, right? Sort of out of nowhere, the Cinderella story, however you want to put it. What do you have to do in these final few weeks to be more than that? Um, just We got to be present. We got to enjoy every, every practice we've got together, every match. Um, and we talk about it. We want to be where our feet are, and we're just got to be right here right now and just be in it. And our kids are in it to win it. So they understand the assignment and they understand what we're playing for and what we're about. Um, I don't want people to think this is a fluke. I, I want people to see us and say, wow, they're the real deal. They've put in the work over, over three and a half years. Um, and I want them to show up for us. We're going to show up and do our best for them. So show up and believe in us and give us a shot. It's been enjoyable to keep up with, Coach. I, I wish you the best the rest of the way because it, 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 I would like it to see it be more than a fun story. I think you guys have a real shot to do some uh, some big things this year. Coach Julie Darty dennis MSU Volleyball. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Hail State. All right, thanks to Coach Dennis. Appreciate her time. Fun interview. And this is a fun program right now. But it's sort of like I asked in the last question. When does it go from this is a fun story to – this is a team to be, you know, to be to be reckoned with in postseason play. They have, you know, it's, it's the SEC. It's a tough way to finish out, Robbie. But I think this team has a chance, you know, the way they're playing right now and the, the confidence level that they're playing with to maybe make a run into the postseason. I don't. I'm not saying they can win a national championship or anything like that, but I think they can make a run in the postseason and and make a little noise in the NCAA tournament when that time comes. Just getting there will be historic. Winning a game would be something monumental for Mississippi State. Right now, they are on the uh, the verge of, like you said, doing some historical things. Thirteen and five, five and two in the SEC, and I don't think I may be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure they have not had a winning season in SEC play. Um, and I know that no, no, been, no, no, never. they've never been to the NCAA tournament. So right now, you know, they're top half of the league, which is incredible for this program that has really never been in this position before. I, I don't know 
when the last time was that they started five and two in the league mm-hmm. and just went to Ole Miss again, and, maybe never. Yeah. I mean, they're beating teams that they've never beaten Florida, mm-hmm. Florida. Um, and then Ole Miss, they were down. Ole Miss started off really well. They have, they have a high ranking, I think in the RPI, mm-hmm. they got up two Oh in that and almost won the match in yeah. three sets and state came back uh, with a rally there to keep the game, keep the match alive and end up forcing uh, a decisive fifth set. They're doing it because she's doing an incredible job uh, because they, she really got off to a rough start and the program was kind of decimated when she got here Mm -hmm. and she had to basically blow it up and rebuild it from the ground up. And that's, she's seeing the fruits of her labor right now with this team competing inside a very, very good conference that just produced a national champion. And like I asked in the interview, Volleyball, not a big deal in Mississippi, as Coach Dennis told us there. This is the first year that the MHSAA or the MISSHA, whatever it is, uh, has sanctioned volleyball as an official sport. So, I mean, you can't, you, you couldn't even recruit in your home state, basically. She has two Mississippians on the roster. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I've been covering volleyball in Mississippi for six or seven years and you know around the area startville had it uh choctaw county had it in our area uh our two big two-way schools east webster and eupora mm-hmm. they were a slow pitch softball right team well everything flipped and and teams started going from slow pitch softball to volleyball right and last year was the first year that we had a full six classifications and volleyball. Yeah. That had never been done. Mm-hmm. So it's slowly picking up steam and people are learning the sport. Coaches are coaching it that have never played it before. Mississippi's so far behind in volleyball, and you're finally starting to see junior colleges take it up. Kids are getting recruited out of the state of Mississippi really for the first time. There's been some kids here and there, but I think the first SEC player was you know, maybe five or six years ago, there hasn't been many Miss- Mississippi kids come out and go to the SEC. That's going to change. Uh, it's going to become a sport that carries weight inside the state because they're, they're kids that are talented enough to play that here. They just have never done it. They've never learned it. And now you're teaching it from the junior high level up. I think you're going to see that start to pay off for Mississippi State and Ole Miss and teams like that in state because it's becoming more popular and I talked to somebody from Winston Academy the other day. They just started their program three years ago, and they've had players from Mississippi State come over and teach them the game. Um, and so they, th- this person is an Ole Miss fan, and they've fallen in love with Mississippi State volleyball because those players took time to drive to Louisville and teach players the game because they were so willing to to teach it to these kids in Mississippi. So not only is is – uh, Julie really kind of making waves in Mississippi State, but she's making some waves throughout the state of Mississippi, and I think that's huge. Can you imagine if football, basketball, or baseball, I mean, it just couldn't recruit in-state, basically? That's I mean, hard, man. The program would be so really estimated. So yes. for her to be at this point the way she is is very impressive, and it feels like they've got a good foundation built for the future, especially as the game begins to grow here in uh, in this state. We need Brandon Walker to come down and hashtag grow the game for us here uh, in, in, in Mississippi. Just don't right. bring Mincy or whatever uh, his name is. No, man, don't bring him. All right, so tomorrow's show uh, is three Ps. 
Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. We will preview that game uh, in great detail uh, as we get ready for uh, Mississippi State's uh, the second half of the season to really start up and to see what the Bulldogs are really made of here uh, in the final two months of the season. So we'll do all that tomorrow. Thanks for listening to today. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.